Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 2010 Batman Universe Award Show. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Nick. This is Don. This is Josh. And this is John. We are bringing you the award winners and losers of the 2010 Batman Universe Awards. We've got a bunch of awards to cover, and we don't want to make this a three-hour-long episode, so... We're going to try to breeze through some of these, but of course there's some explanation of why some people were nominated since we never really discussed that to begin with. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to roll through all of the worst categories first because they really are going to be the losers of this show. (laughs) And then we'll run through the best and then we're going to do a couple little feedback uh, comments that some people left on the survey about the website and what people are hoping for and what uh, you can expect from us in the future based on your comments. So first, we're going to go into the worst categories, and of course we're going to start with the comics. So the very first category is the worst Batman comic writer of 2010. Now the nominees were Chris Yost for Red Robin, Neil Adams for Batman Odyssey, Kevin Smith for Batman The Widening Gear, Eddie Berganza for Batman Orphans, and Paul Dini for Batman Streets of Gotham and Gotham City Sirens. Now, Chris Yost... He was the first nominee. This was specifically because his run on Red Robin to a lot of us was not so great. Yeah, I imagine Neil Adams and uh, Kevin Smith are probably favorites for this award. I think it's probably a race between those two because I am aware that Neil Adams has been putting forward some pretty poor stuff. And uh, Kevin Smith did Widening Gyre this year, which didn't go down too well either. So um, I think those two are probably deserved of the award, and I imagine it will be one of them. Now, one thing I do want to clarify is there was some people who said, well, why is Paul Dini in this category? It's not so much that he was the worst comic writer. It was more of the fact that he was solicited on as many books as he was. And I believe when we did the math, he actually only appeared in 60% of the books that he was solicited in. So that's a huge factor when it comes to, you know, you, you buy a book expecting it to be Paul Dini because it was solicited as Paul Dini, and Paul Dini decides to take the month off and somebody else has to do a fill-in story. That's a good majority of the reason why. On top of that, if you read some of his Gotham City Siren stuff, uh-huh. he really did not give the characters, especially Harley Quinn since he created her, a whole lot to do, and it was really, really boring. That's that's mainly the reason why. It's not to say that Paul Dini is a bad writer. It's to say that you have to be consistently good. And in this case, he was consistently bad by not showing up to write issues. So that's why he was nominated. I will say Paul Dini received the least amount of votes. So he definitely did not get this category. Yeah, because, I mean, his work he did on Streets of Gotham was good. The thing was, he was never there and he really let that one down. And I would guess that's why that series is going to end eventually. I guess he would kind of deserve it because of the fact he just never did show up. Yeah, I really think it's with Dini, it's more of a performance thing, you know. You're not, you don't get good by not showing up for your job. Um, and especially since the fact that it was his decision to take on so many other titles, such as uh, Zatanna and Gotham City Sirens. I was one of the few that didn't mind Chris Yost's run, initial run on Red Robin, but uh, the other guys, Neil Adams, Eddie Braganza, Kevin Smith, they totally deserve it, and I, I and I shall be most anxious to see who wins this this uh, category. Most anxious. Yeah, definitely Eddie Braganza, who had Batman Orphans. Even though it was two issues, when you take your, the total number of issues that a writer puts out, 
and you divide it by how many good issues you they had, you get a certain, <laughs> you get a certain percentage. And according to our reviews, he got a zero percent. So that that entitles him for being named one of the worst comic writers of 2010. All right. So without further ado, the loser would be. Now let me clarify. This would actually be the winner of this category, but we are labeling them losers. So the Batman comic writer of 2010 loser is Kevin Smith. <laughs> Hey, that's who I voted for. Kevin Smith did earn 45% of the votes, so that was a good 20% ahead of the next one. So that pretty much sums it up. That wasn't even a close battle. He, he won that one. He deserved it. And I think I'm right in saying that Kevin Smith won the same award last year, and we told him then to try and uh, double his efforts, and it seems like he hasn't been paying attention to our advice. Yes, Kevin Smith did, in fact, win that category last year as well, but he improved his lead for the uh, category this year with a 20% lead over a only 9% lead last year. So He should take a break, I think, and uh, regroup and, and start fresh, I think. Winding Jire is just not working out for him well, is it? I, I don't think it is. Or rethink his career completely. That, that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the second category we have is the worst comic artist of 2010. Now, some of these, again, may be surprises to some people, and some may be completely understandable and fully supported. All right, so we have Scott McDaniel for Detective Comics, Walter Flanagan for Batman the Widening Gear, Carlo Barberi for Batman Orphans, Ramon Box on Azrael, Jorge's Gente for Batman the Return of Bruce Wayne. Now, probably the big surprise for some people would be Scott McDaniel, but that would probably be because his, uh, I believe it was a five-issue run on Detective Comics with uh, David Hine. His art is cartoony to begin with, which I like that style, and trust me when I say Scott McDaniel, I'm a huge fan of Scott McDaniel. But the, the issue was that you could tell that this art was thrown together very, very quickly, and it was something that, one, it didn't make any sense for the story to be taking place in, in Detective Comics with everything that was going on. And you could tell it was a fill-in story, but you could also tell that it was thrown together very quickly. And that's the reason he was nominated for this. The other surprise would be Jorge's Genti for Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne. Now, some people may say, well, what, what could you possibly be talking about? The art in Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne was great. Yeah, except for this issue, because this issue was supposed to be done by, I believe it was Cameron Stewart who was supposed to do this issue. He had to back out because of timing issues, and it was only, I believe, one month before the issue was supposed to come out that you know they said that there was going to be an artist change and at the same time, Cameron Stewart came out and said, I, I couldn't meet the deadline. It was too quick. That's just not enough time for me. And what happens? They get an artist to come in to fill in, which was great. But given the fact that Cameron Stewart, with the extra month, still didn't have enough time, you would think that a new artist would not have as much time either. Was this for the cowboy issue? Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, this was uh, definitely, definitely art that seemed to be very thrown together. This was the issue that featured Batman in the Wild Wild West, Jonah Hex, 
the issue itself wasn't super great when you compare uh, a lot of Grant Morrison's work to other books. But at the same time, the art you could tell was very thrown together. There was it was there was a lot of detail, in my opinion, that was lacking, and that's why he was nominated. So basically, he's on the list because he's not Cameron Stewart. I'm afraid I'd have to give this one a miss. I don't know enough about these these artists. Well, um, Scott McDaniel is a shame, I think, because he, after he returned to Detective for a little bit, he went and did uh, Batman and Robin, and he did he did that one issue. The, re- the Return of Bruce Wayne, or Bruce Wayne Road Home, Rachel Ghoul. I thought both the stories uh, were were him and his best. And they were right after this detective run. So I thought it was a shame, especially that he's on this... Uh, it's, it's like bad timing, almost. I think it had to do a lot with bad timing, but I also had... I think the thing is, there's certain artists that DC goes to when they need something very quickly. Scott McDaniel, in my opinion, is one of those people. He's a person who can put stuff together quickly. If he has more time he can make his art look a lot better. But when he doesn't have as much time because he's throwing it together, it doesn't look as good. You compare Batman Robin, which he still didn't have a whole lot of time because of everything, how that played out and how he landed on that book. You compare that art to what happened with Detective Comics, there's a very distinct difference. There's a lot more detail and a lot more quality to what was in Batman Robin than what we saw in Detective Comics. Most definitely, yes. Then the other candidates would be Walter Flanagan. Nobody's surprised that, that he would be on this in this category. Uh, this is the second year in a row that he's in this category. We also have Ramon Box, which, again, this is his second year in the category. Um, for his work on Azrael, last year it was his work on Red Robin that landed him in this category. And then we have Carlo Barberi, which he's another one he kind of was just bad timing and really the wrong place yeah. for his art style. Uh, he teamed with Eddie Berganza to tell a horrible story, and his art style doesn't really fit a lot of what's going on and a lot of what's critically accepted in the world of the Batman Universe comics. So he kind of gets screwed over for his take on Batman Orphans. That's a shame, because I actually quite enjoy his art style, but that story was just a mess, and he, he does take some of the blame because... If you remember in that comic book, panels were so dialogue-heavy, and there were so many of them that it was almost impossible to tell what was going on. You know, whether the art was good or not, if you can't tell what's going on, then it ultimately falls on the bad art side. So, um, With me here, I hope, personally dislike Walter Flanagan's art the most out of these five, but I hope Ramon Box wins because or loses. Because I was one of the... I must have been the only person out there that wasn't hating Asriel <coughs> in the beginning. But his art kind of ruined it, so it made me... Like, the story-wise, I, I actually was... I thought it was okay. That was just me. But Ramon Bach's art ruined the book for me, so I hope he loses. <laughs> this is funny. All right. And the worst Batman comic artist of 2010, and the loser is... Walter Flanagan for the second year in a row. That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> that's that's why widening Jaya twice now, isn't it? It's yes. got but worst writer and worst artist twice in a row. Or uh, the same guys two years in a row, right? Well, wow. I wonder who's the favorite for worst creative team now. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's get into the nominees for the worst Batman creative team of 2010. We have Kevin Smith and Walter Flanagan for Batman: The Widening Gear. Kevin Van Hook and Tom Mandrake on Batman Confidential. Eddie Berganza and Carlo Barberi in Batman Orphans. 
Grant Morrison and Jorge Schente for Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne, and Paul Dini and Gillian March on Gotham City Sirens. Now, the surprises, obviously, in this category would be Paul Dini and Gillian March, specifically because, well, what could you possibly say wrong about Paul Dini, other than the fact, like we said before, he just did not really do what he really should have done with Gotham City Sirens, and in turn made that kind of fall to crap. Gillian Marsh, the guy can do great covers, I'll give him that, but when it comes to interiors, he over-accents uh, the female body a little bit more than even the horniest fanboy in the world would like. Uh, Possibly. And the other surprise, like I said, Grant Morrison, Jorge Shente. This is just because this issue just turned out really bad. It was the worst issue of the series. The story was very hard to follow along because there was a lot of characters that were in the story that you didn't know who they were, and you had to just try to figure out who they were very quickly without any explanation. I'm sorry, but when you travel through time, you need a little bit of an explanation of who the characters in that time frame are, especially if they're not characters wearing superhero costumes where you can tell who they are. So that's kind of why that one was on there as well. The non-surprised ones would obviously be Eddie Berganza and Carlo Barberi for Batman Orphan, since both were voted for uh, worst creator in their respective category, along with Kevin Smith and Walter Flanagan. The middle range one would be Kevin Van Hook and Tom Mandrake of Batman Confidential. It's really, that happened because I think a lot of us are sick of vampires and werewolves in, in Batman stories in general, and they just seem to keep doing it over and over again. Yeah, for me, it was definitely Kevin Van Hook. Um, I don't think he's going to pick up this award, but I thought that story was just dreadful. Um, it was four or five issues, very repetitive. The art was not nice. The story was dull. And I really, really didn't like it. That's why I hope they get this award. I'm sure Grant Morrison would be very surprised to find himself in this category. And Kevin Smith and Walter Flanagan, watch out. I Make sure you've got space on your mantelpiece for this extra award. Yeah, I actually don't mind anybody on this, uh, any any of the teams besides Smith and Flanagan. Yeah, the, the confidential storyline with uh, Van Hook and Mandrake, um, I remember when we did the reviews for that, I was sort of like waffling on. I mean, some issues were okay. I thought some issues weren't so okay. I think Paul Dini and Gillian March also get a little bit of a short shrift. I mean, they weren't great, but I think that comparatively, they kind of just fall on this list just by happenstance. And really, I think... Far and away, Kevin Smith and Walter Flanagan should win because, man, do they, do they deserve this prestigious award that we're going to give them, probably. I'm going to be really controversial and say that I hope Grant Morrison gets this award. <laughs> I don't think he will. Um, I know I'm going to get shot by uh, a lot of the fans on the forum, but The Return of Bruce Wayne is terrible. It, 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 I don't like time travel stories at the best of times, but this was effectively Batman going through time, falling in love with a woman at each time period, and there was absolutely nothing to sell it. Oh, Batman's dressed as a caveman. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, yay. And it's just, uh, just lost the will to live after issue one. And, of course, it ends up in the travesty that is Batman issue 16, of which I have more later. But... I don't think he's going to get this award. Oh, if he does, I'll fall off my chair in happiness. <laughs> All right. So, the worst Batman creative team of 2010, and the loser is... Kevin 
Smith multi-sided. Shock horror. <laughs> maybe, maybe we just need to have one year where they're not on a book at all, and then maybe some of these, uh, no, some still, of these awards will go to somebody else. No, they would, they would share the love. Share the love. <laughs> I mean, what does that say? I mean, that, that feedback from your book is just dreadful. It hasn't improved over the last year, um, and you've won all the worst awards. So I really, really have to just say, stop writing for now, rethink your plan, and may, maybe try again, but be careful, because the fans have spoken. If you, if you would ask him, he would just say that we don't get it, but I think we get, we get it very clearly. Yeah, that's exactly what he would say. He would just say that we don't get it, because that's what he actually did say. All right, so... <laughs> Moving into our next category, the worst ongoing series of 2010. Now, none of these should really be that big of a surprise, but Azrael, Gotham City Sirens, The Outsiders, Batman Confidential, and Birds of Prey. Now, coincidentally, three of these five series are being canceled in the coming months. That says something about uh, the fact that these were all the worst of 2010. Obviously, Birds of Prey would probably be one of the surprises, specifically because it wasn't around for the entire year. But the problem is that the issues that it had in the time that it was out were not really great material. Um, There was a lot of comments that were, in my opinion, a little bit too much. I don't really need to know about wet pants on females. That's just something I don't really need to see in a comic book. Especially Mm -hmm. when you have a female comic book writer writing comments like that, what does that really do for a female in the comic book world? I'm sorry, I don't think that in any way helps them out at all. (laughs) The non-surprises would be Batman Confidential, The Outsiders, and Azrael. Outsiders was so bad that we actually stopped reviewing it on the comic podcast because it, it went so far away from the Batman universe and so much into the Superman universe that there wasn't even a point of covering it anymore. Now, obviously, Confidential Outsiders and Azrael being cancelled as of March and April, so these comics will not be on the uh, in this category next year. But that does open the door for Gotham City Sirens and Birds of Prey. For me, the worst series I think that deserves it is Batman Confidential. Not necessarily because they had the worst stories, but mostly because I think Batman Confidential always had a lot of potential, and I think it got wasted over and over again. I mean, at the moment, the series is finishing off on a dreadful note. I mean, it's just completely lost all all life and interest for me. And so, for me, I think Confidential deserves this award for being a great potential series, but they screwed it up, and very few times during its run has it ever really been that exciting and I think it could have done a lot better so I think unfortunately it deserves the award for that. I would actually say the exact same thing but for Birds of Prey I, I've said before but like I've not read the original series but I've heard so many great things and the same writer take on the series again I just found myself just really feeling either despondent or just outright hating some issues and I think that I'm not sure where all of it's going um, the death of Oracle storyline has been meandering and I feel that that one has the, the biggest potential lost out of all of the uh, categories, so that that would be my pick. Batman Confidential kind of crossed over into irrelevant with me this year, so well, I, I'm usually not a fan of these like non-continuity stories, anyways. But I I just started losing interest. I can't really talk about that much because I kind of stopped reading it recently. But yeah, it's just I lost complete interest. Well, you're not missing out. We'll just say that. No, you're not. I'm gonna go with the Outsiders. It basically descended into a bunch of teenagers 
being ridiculously hormonal and falling out all the time and didn't seem to constitute anything else at all. And the writing was the height of childishness. It, it was just, no, oh, you shut up, oh, shut up, no, you shut up. And I, I lost the will to live after a while. Yeah. Yeah, and you're its finest. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what we get from uh, the co-publisher of DC Comics, Dan Dio. That was his book. All right, so <laughs> the worst ongoing series of 2010, and the loser is... The Outsiders. Mm, that was an interesting choice. Yeah, wasn't I wasn't expecting that one. No. Get in. I was right. Yes, the, outs- <laughs> the Outsiders won by a 18.5 point margin, so they <laughs> definitely... Definitely had the lead on that one. Well, good for them. All right. So moving on to our next category, the worst single issue of 2010. We have Batman Confidential, number 45, Batman Orphans, number one, Batman the Widening Gear, number six, Azrael, number 13, and Batman Confidential, number 50. Can you remind us what uh, these issues were exactly, what stories they dealt with? Oh, I can remind you what number six was with great detail. Yeah, Batman and the Widening Gear, that was the issue where basically we have Batman reveal his identity to Baphomet. Baphomet turns out to be Onomatopoeia and kills Silver St. Cloud. Batman Confidential was the beginning of the last story arc for Batman Confidential, which was the story where Batman has basically a flashback of something involving the Justice League, and then the flashback is involving characters that aren't even worth mentioning. And then in the back, the book was $5 because it was a number 50 issue, and the reason why it was $5 was because there was this giant double feature in the back that consisted of having to do nothing with Batman whatsoever. It had to do with a lost Justice League story from the Silver Age. Batman Orphans was the first issue, obviously, of the two-part miniseries. You could tell just by reading this comic that this was intended to be a four-issue miniseries, and someone decided, let's just make it two books, because the book itself was split into two, with two separate stories in the book. Yes, they had to do with each other, but they didn't make a lot of sense. Specifically, the first issue over the second issue was nominated because the first issue you really had no idea what was going on. At least the second issue kind of figured out why Batman had a group of orphans living in the sewers. Well, remember, it's eventually revealed that it's Hugo Strange who was doing... Right, right, but you don't know that. You don't know that in number one. That's true. You, you just think that, like, when he, when he leaves Nightwing and Robin, he, like, goes out and gets these, gets these kids. And the book was so... I mean, this is issue one, but, like, it turned into something so ugly, and it was just... It was, it was a mess. The whole thing was a mess. Okay, so in Batman Confidential number 45 was the issue part two of Batman vs. the Undead. This was obviously part of the worst creative team nominees, uh, Kevin Van Hook and Tom Mandrake, where not only do we continue to see a number of vampires and werewolves, but we had zombies to the mix as well. And Azrael number 13 was essentially, as Donovan put it, one of the most sacrilegious issues of a comic book ever created. Basically, we find out that uh, Ezreal could possibly be the son of Jesus Christ. We also find out that the Crusader has also a weird knack for skinning people alive. And that character actually appeared skinned alive throughout 
the rest of the series, which I think we already have one too many skinned alive people. <laughs> Jane Doe. Oh yeah, I forgot. I thought you were just being sarcastic. <laughs> Uh, well, like, as, I just flipped through it again, and, like, that whole issue, it's not so much offensive as it is stupid. I mean, it's just, like, you know, like, how Jesus was uh, not crucified, or he wasn't the Son of God, because there's proof of his DNA. And then there's a picture of him, which defies all logic and reason. But then the entire thing is, like, upended, because if Michael Lane is the descendant of Jesus Christ, that by itself is useless, since Jesus Christ wasn't the true Son of God. Like, the whole thing just felt like crazy idea after crazy idea and even though the series has gotten better from that original idea it's still very 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 poorly told for me it's got to be the uh confidential story with the vampires and werewolves again it's not a case of it perhaps being the worst book it's more the missed opportunities that confidential keeps having and the reason i think it's been cancelled and also number 50 for confidential as well which was also a, a terrible story and a really rubbish way of um, celebrating 50 issues, I thought. Big letdown. So, yeah, those two issues are, are up for me. I hope one of those gets in. I must say, though, that like all of these can't compare to the, the, the abomination and aberration that was Widening Guy or Six because, as Justin Hanley avoided saying, like that's the one where Batman says during Batman Year One he wet his pants because he was so afraid of fire or some crap like that. And then Kevin Smith comes out and yells at everybody for not understanding the genius that is realism, as if that excuses it whatsoever. So that's why that sucks. Can Kevin Smith really win another award in the worst categories? Probably. Probably. <laughs> can, but my God, that would look pretty bad, wouldn't it? All right. So the worst single issue of 2010, and the loser is Batman: The Lightning. <laughs> This is getting embarrassing now. It would just be nice if we see no widening gears so we can actually have a year without Kevin Smith on a ballot. I, I know, that's right, man. All right, moving on to our next category. The worst comic character of 2010. Now, this would obviously be any character that appeared in the comics within the year 2010. So we have Professor Combs, Catgirl, Wendy Harris, Bedbug, and Michael Lane. Now, some people may argue that Michael Lane would be the the least fitting character to fall in this category, but it's strictly because he's written horribly, and even with an issue that wasn't in 2010, you just come, he comes across as such a completely wrong character. I believe it was his his dead brother's sister he ends up having sex with. I forgot about that. <laughs> but that didn't happen in 2010, so that could be why he may not have won this award. Catgirl, self-explanatory, Bedbug, just another great character that uh, Paul Dini has created to appear in one of his books. That seems to be his thing. Instead of you know making good stories about existing characters, for a good majority of 2010, he had a lot of new characters that he added into the book. Uh, Bedbug was one of them. And Wendy Harris really just like an Oracle clone, only younger. And because she's younger, she can say things that Oracle wouldn't normally say, and it would be fine. Uh, Professor Combs. Professor Combs appeared in Batman Confidential number 44 through 48. He was also obviously part of the Vampire's World storyline. 
All right, so what do we think about some of these nominees? Uh, I think Catgirl is a favourite. She's a bit of a rip-off, obviously, of Catwoman, just a new junior Catwoman, not very popular since the start and hasn't really grown on us since then. Professor Combs, just a very, very weak villain, I thought. And uh, poor old Michael Lane, as Dusty mentioned, not a terrible character, just hasn't really been done justice this year and has made a few odd decisions. So I think those are the three up for it. I heard someone say once that there's no such thing as a bad character, only bad writers. And like any character, if written well, can possibly be done justice. But in the case of Catgirl, I'm not saying Tony Daniels is a bad writer. I think he's juggling way too many characters in a lot of the stuff she's in. So he's kind of neglecting her and making her a very unlikable character, at least to me, and I think most people as well. Bedbug would have been second for me because uh, I think he takes away more from the story than he adds in his current like appearance. Catgirl's one of those characters who's just, her very existence is idiotic. Why would Selena Kyle take a, a young ward and adopt her to be a junior Catwoman? I mean... As I, I, I'm not sure if that's even been explained yet as to why she's doing it, and it just it seems out of character for me, for one. Um, I don't think Catgirl in herself is that annoying, but her existence is the one that, that the thing that bothers everybody. I think she's definitely a favorite. Wendy Harris hasn't been too good just because she's like the new extreme oracle with her red dyed hair, and the fact she was on the super some sort of psychological trauma. I don't know. Combs was annoying, and so was Bedbug. I think... Uh, it's it's going to be down to Catgirl and uh, Wendy Harris, honestly, because unfortunately, a lot of a lot of female characters get uh, short shrift in uh, comic book writing more often than not. And I think Catgirl, just because of the name alone, will probably ha- draw more the most ire from comic book fans. I'm going to agree with you guys and go Catgirl. I don't know much about her, but I generally have an aversion to villains having sidekicks, children, it just seems really stupid. Um, and I've never seen one who's been written well. Um, I'm going to... Enigma's um, another example, but neither of them have been written well, um, and I hope Catgirl wins. All right. One thing also to mention about Catgirl is clearly no other creator really enjoys the character either because she's only appeared when Tony Daniel is on Batman. She hasn't appeared in any other things, despite the fact that Catwoman appears in a number of other series. Exactly. So with that being said, the worst comic character of 2010, and the loser is... Catgirl. <laughs> Her first surprise, surprise. Word. <laughs> Right. I think uh, there's been a bit of a tendency for readers to start getting a bit annoyed with all of these new characters that are being introduced. Maybe go back and revisit some of the older characters we haven't seen lately. I think that might be the way to go in the future. Um, I think it's clear from the nominees of uh, this, this year's worst comic character that people are getting a bit fed up with these new characters being introduced all the time and perhaps would rather see some of their old favourites return. Yeah, I definitely agree. One person has done an okay job at doing something with a new character, Scott Snyder, which he started his run on Detective Comics in November, so there wasn't a whole lot of time. We didn't even know a whole lot about his new character, The Dealer, up until uh, the third issue into what he was doing. 
But for the most part, he's been doing a pretty good job. He has some ideas for some new characters, but he also has some ideas for some old characters. I think it's completely fine for a creator to create a new character as long as it's somehow incorporated with an existing character. Or maybe you create a new lieutenant for the Joker or something like that. That would be something I wouldn't mind seeing. It would also be great if uh, once the character played out what he needed, somehow the Joker decided, let's just kill him, because that would make sense. Son of Bob the Goon. Yeah. Alright, so moving on to our next category. The worst Batman Brave and the Bold episode of 2010. And the nominees are Gorillas in Our Midst, Aquaman's Outrageous Adventure, The Crisscross Conspiracy, Siege of Starro Part 1, and Siege of Starro Part 2. Now, the Siege of Starro's, those both got nominated mostly because after pretty much being hyped up a good majority of um, this season, since season two actually started, Siege of Starro was kind of hyped through a number of different teasers in the beginning of the Batman Braving the Bold episodes. And to be quite honest, uh, this, that the two-part episode did not do anything for me or a good majority of people. Crisscross Conspiracy was the episode with Batwoman, mostly because Batwoman, even though she's appearing in the comics as a great character, she was portrayed as a bad character. They were using the Silver Incarnation, but even with the Silver Incarnation, I don't think it was a great idea to be making Batwoman a bad character. Um, not to mention, any time where Batman's mind inhabits a woman's body, you've got a problem. <laughs> and vice versa. Um, yeah. Uh, gorillas in our midst. That would probably be similar to the episode that we, we voted for last year, which would be uh, The Last Bat on Earth. Completely out of, uh, you know, middle of nowhere. There's not really a point to this episode. It really doesn't do anything for... The continuance of the series. It was really just one of those episodes where it, they they need to make an episode, so here it is. Also, I think a good majority of it is the fact that Gorillas in the Mist is an actual movie, and they decided to name the episode off after a Oscar nominated movie. Really, kind of is dumb. <laughs> Um, and the final one, Aquaman, Aquaman's Outrageous Adventure. This was Aquaman's trip across country with his wife, Mira, and son, Aqualad. Um, this this was the beginning of, I think, the fall of a lot of episodes of Batman Brave and the Bold. Batman was featured as a very minor character. When the series is called Batman the Brave and the Bold, you should see Batman more than any other character. This turned into Aquaman and his family vacation. Um, and that was the problem. Yes, we did get a couple cool little nods where we do see Smallville on a map when he sees it, but that was the only cool nod. In the DC Universe, with as many cities as you have, and Aquaman decides to look at a map and all we see is Smallville, that, one, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and two, he didn't even really visit a whole lot of places that you would think, hey, these would be great places to visit inside of the DC Universe. So that was the big fall of that episode, mostly because it didn't really feature Batman that much, and on top of that, Aquaman was the main character in that one. Yeah, the two that stand out to me are Gorillas in Our Midst, mostly because I remember talking about the Chill of the Night episode on the podcast and being very excited about it and thinking it was excellent, and then Gorillas in Our Midst came afterwards, and it just showed me that this show is not really quite adventurous enough as I would like. Uh, Chill of the Night, 
brilliant, possibly one of the best episodes they've done, followed up by a complete waste of time. So that's why that's up there for me. Uh, and Aquaman's uh, Outrageous Adventure, I thought it was quite a bold choice to try and uh, do something a bit more comedic and... Aquaman's quite a popular character, but just didn't work. Um, the whole road trip idea with his family, bit dull, didn't do it for me. So I think these two are the worst out of the bunch, and I uh, I expect one of them to get the award. Um, I actually have heard, I've not seen uh, Aquaman's Outrageous Adventure, but I've heard a lot of things about it. A lot of positive things, actually, from people who think that this show has actually saved Aquaman from being the uh, pop culture joke of the decade. But I can understand why it's on the list because it's not Batman related or Batman's not featured heavily in it. It's very strange because at no point, even though she looks exactly like she like the comic character, at no point do they ever refer to that character as Batwoman. In fact, her character wasn't named Kathy Kane. Her character was like, I think her name was Katrina Moldoff, which is obviously a nod to Sheldon Moldoff. But even still, it was like literally her character wasn't the same as it was in the comic book, which is... She just looked the same. So I'm not sure exactly what the deal was with that. It was entertaining enough, but it was just very, very odd to see a very, very weird change happen to such an iconic, or at least classic, uh, Silver Age character. I'm going to go with uh, Aquaman's Outrageous Adventure. I dislike Aquaman in this TV series. He's ridiculously bombastic, and I think the only way he could... They could make the character more annoying if he was voiced by Brian Blessed. He <laughs> spends all of his time just going, awesome, outrageous, excellent, and it great. Aquaman's <laughs> an amazing character, and I, I, have, I really like him, but in this, they, I know, as Donovan said, that they've tried to stop him turning, turning into the pop culture joke of this entry, but he really is. And it met, this episode made it worse. And in fact, I think he's the pop culture joke of the millennium. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the worst Batman Brave and the Bold episode of 2010. And the loser is... Aquaman's Outrageous Adventure. I really do expect a lot of hit me up from that one. <laughs> To be honest, they, I give credit to them for trying something a bit different, but it just didn't didn't work out for us, obviously, or our listeners. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next category we have, which is actually the final worst category, is the worst Batman 3 news of 2010. And the nominees are Riddler will not be in the film, Heath Ledger will not return via unused footage, and Mr. Freeze will not be in the film. Uh, clearly, there wasn't a whole lot of Batman 3 news to begin with, um, but there was a few, and I thought it'd be worthwhile to at least cover some of the things that people may not have liked to hear. So Mr. Freeze and Riddler, Heath Ledger not returning via unused footage, I'm sorry, but if you actually expected that to happen... You have perception I, problems. I don't, I don't think you really understand Chris Nolan as a director. I was actually very, very shocked that Riddler wasn't going to be in the film, because I thought that was sort of a certain like just like how everyone knew that the joker uh, would be in the dark knight and they also figured that maybe two-face would be in there as well i think people people kind of like predicted that and they also predicted that there'd be a third batman christopher nolan movie so i thought that the riddler would go hand in hand with that and when he said he wouldn't be in it i was actually very very surprised so um that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit yeah, that was also the shock uh, of the year for me with the Batman 3 news, because I, I even did a blog post for the website thinking about which actor should play the Riddler. I was that certain yeah, that 
the Riddler would yes David Tennant <laughs> yes. uh, my champion for the Riddler uh, which unfortunately is not going to work out now but um, yeah I mean if you'd have told us that no Riddler but you're going to get Bane instead I think everyone would have laughed at you but that's where we are at the moment Mr Nolan always likes to surprise us so for me it's got to be the Riddler news that's got to win this award surely yeah that was easy for me I'd pick the Riddler because that was terrible news for me at least because I really want to see the Riddler because I don't know maybe get Jim Carrey out of my head from Batman Forever pick somebody else to picture when I think of the Riddler on film even though uh, I, I didn't like it, but it was just ridiculous at the same time. I'm going to plump for the fact that Heath Ledger would reappear as the Joker in Batman 3. I want to know what crazy, crazy planet the person who came up with that lives on. Uh, Chris Nolan would never do it because, well, it's a ridiculous idea. And two, it's just really offensive. The, the guy's dead. His poor family don't want to see him come back as some terrible CGI character. Um, I love Heath Ledger. I think he was an acting genius. And the Joker is by far his best performance. And for someone to conceivably come up with the fact that they're going to just cut out bits of him from The Dark Knight and stick him in the beginning is it's, it's disrespectful beyond belief and the stupidest idea that has ever been thought of in Rainbow News. Alright, so the worst Batman 3 news of 2010 and the loser is... Riddler will not be in the film. That's not that big of a surprise. No one no one wanted Mr. Freeze. <laughs> well, Arnold's not governor anymore, maybe. Yeah, yeah Arnold is governor. looking for a comeback. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Guess who's back, back, back. <laughs> All right, so let's move into the best categories. Um, the first one we have is the best Batman comic writer of 2010. We have Grant Morrison for Batman Robin, Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne, Batman Incorporated, Batman The Return. We have Fabian Decisa for Red Robin and Bruce Wayne The Road Home, Greg Rucka on Detective Comics, Scott Snyder for Detective Comics, Brian Q. Miller for Batgirl, and Bruce Wayne The Road Home. Scott Snyder probably will not end up winning this category specifically because he only had two issues prior to prior to the end of the year, so that wasn't enough time for him to really shine as a writer. Uh, he might be, have a much better chance when it comes to the 2011 awards. Um, Grant Morrison is probably going to be the favorite in this category since he did produce a number of diff- good issues with the occasional off issue here and there. Uh, yeah, I think um, I'm glad we're done with the negative awards. Moving on to the, we're going to be a bit more positive here and uh, give a few compliments to some writers. But of course, it's almost certain Grant Morrison's going to win this award. But look at the other nominees and look how well they've done. Uh, Greg Grocker did a fantastic job bringing Batwoman back to the books uh, with a great story. Uh, Scott Snyder's done a great job on Detective recently. Um, Brian Cumilla's even done a good job with uh, Batgirl, bringing her back and making her seems to be one of the more favourite books uh, out there at the moment amongst the comic fans. And even Fabian the Sizer, I, I'll probably say he's the weakest out of this bunch, but he has managed to revive Red Robin and get that uh, quite exciting again. So I think all of these writers have done a really good job this year. And uh, Kevin Smith, take a page out of these guys' books. They know how to write a book. They know how to make it interesting. And, um, of course, Grant Morrison's going to win, but I think they all, all of those writers have, have written some great stories this year, or last year, rather. 
I would agree. If, if I could, I'd give all these guys awards just because they've been so good at the job they've been hired to do. Um, Grant Morrison knocked it out of the park several times with Batman and Robin. I think that's one of the, probably the most consistent books since its uh, inception. But really, everyone else, Greg Rucka and Scott Snyder on tech, they were doing very good work. Brian K. Miller was very solid on Batgirl. And uh, I love Fabian on Red Robin. I really do. But um, Grant Morrison's probably going to win this. Yeah, I pretty much feel the same because I, I think Grant Morrison's going to win. But obviously there's a reason all of these writers got nominated. I um, really like Greg Rucka's run on Detective Comics because Batwoman was a character I wasn't really that interested in. But he made her interesting. So, And I, I've been liking Batgirl too, so Brian Q. Miller. I think we've got a lot more... Uh, I think we've got a lot of better writers than bad writers at the moment, which from this award, as we can see, Kevin Smith dominated in the bad writers. But, you know, there's a lot of choice with these with these better writers, I think. Yeah. All right. And the best Batman comic writer of 2010 is Grant Morrison. Really? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no surprise, as I said. But I, I must say, obviously, I've given praise to the other writers. Grant Morrison has done a fantastic job. I know everyone's been saying that for over a year now, but he did, he has done a really good job of, uh, I think, over the, a couple of series, making Batman exciting, building up to a really big story, being quite brave in, in killing off Batman and bringing him back. So I think he, he definitely deserves it, and he's definitely destroyed all the other competition, but... He deserved it, yeah. He's, done, he's had a fantastic year. Let's uh, see if he can keep up next year. It'd be bad if he turned out to be one of the worst writers next year. So let's see how it goes from here. If he can keep it up. Kevin Smith wins Best Writer. Oh, no, that's not, now you're just being cynical. Yeah, that would only take place in a bizarre world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Grant Morrison. Why? 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 Because he's awesome. <laughs> no, no, Batman Incorporated. Oh, oh, oh. I'm sorry, Batman going around the world creating some kind of mega conglomerate corporation. Where to start with what is wrong with that? And then he comes out and goes, oh, by the way, I've been sponsoring Batman. I, I honestly wonder what they're actually going to start putting this Batman is brought to you by the Wayne Tech Company. Uh, I mean, it's... it's ah! <laughs> That's just the expression of rage I have when I read them. Batman Incorporated is, is terrible. They're all baseless stereotype characters. The only interesting character I found is the French uh, parkour. Batman. He's he's exciting and caused massive controversy because all the right wing groups have come out and said, Well, you can't have a Muslim being a hero, he must be an evil character who lives in a cave and twiddles his beard. And, uh, oh, and, oh my god. Uh, the British characters just walk around going, Oh, hello, yes, well I'm Batman, I'm going to arrest you to stop the oh. I mean, what, I, I, genuinely, I, I, I expect in the next couple of issues, for when people get rescued by these Batman, for them to give them complimentary mugs and T-shirts. And at some point, presumably, be <laughs> part of the, 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 the halftime show at the Super Bowl and come on singing and dancing. Um, to be fair, they probably couldn't do a worse job than the Black Eyed Peas. But that's beyond the point. And, oh... Uh, that's that's it. I'm finished ranting now. I have any nice things to say. I'm done. 
<laughs> All right. So the next category is Best Batman Comic Artist of 2010. We have Sam Keith for Batman Confidential and Arkham Asylum Madness. Fraser Irving on Batman Robin and Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne. J.H. Williams III on Batwoman and Detective Comics. Dustin Wen on Batman Streets of Gotham and Batgirl. And Cameron Stewart on Batman Robin and Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne. All of these artists did an exceptional job. Now, Sam Keith would probably be the one-off that I would not necessarily agree with. I'm not a big fan of his art style, but he is consistent in what he draws and how he draws, and it doesn't change up. Um, I'm not also a huge fan of Fraser Irving's art style, but it doesn't fall in the same vein as Sam Keith, but it's definitely more of a gothic twist on uh, art in comparison to some of these other categories, uh, some of these other nominees. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, again, it looks like we've got a strong contender in J.H. Williams with that, some of that Batwoman art was just some of the, it really was some of the best comic art I've ever seen. So that's why I think he's going to win this. But the And the other contender, Sam Keith, Dustin said it's not really for him. I nominated him because I was really impressed with him with that Batman Confidential story. True the story, which I, I think I'm right in saying Sam Keith wrote himself, was not great. But the art, I thought, was really distinctive, really unique, and a really interesting take. And I, I really liked it, and that's why I thought he was not worth nominating. He's not going to win, but I thought he deserved a bit of recognition for that art. Yeah, I think Fraser Irving was one of the more kookier artists in the sense that his style was definitely... Like, you look at it, and it looks nothing else like anything else on the uh, comic stands. But that art was so distinctive, and I remember us talking about the way he made the Joker look and how the colors were and everything, I thought he was really fantastic. In fact, I think he is probably the best artist on that title yet. And, they had, and Batman and Robins had some pretty, pretty cool artists on there. But uh, I think far away, he's been really good. I think other than the obvious terrible art and like very, very good art, art's pretty much preference between each person. But there's some that really sticks out. But for me personally, I really like Dustin Wynn's art. And uh, it might just be because I've been reading more of the books he's been doing but that's just me yeah i i really like dustin Wen's art as well and um, one of the people i was surprised uh not to see nominated is marcus toe on red robin i think his artwork is is really really good it's really strong um and i think that's been a really strong series um, i agree john yeah i totally agree so it, i i am surprised but then again when you look at the competition you can perhaps see how difficult it is to make a choice. As far as uh, what I would probably pick, I, I obviously am a huge fan of Dustin Wen's art. Now, if I look back at when Dustin Wen first came into the Batman Universe comics, I probably would have never, you would have never caught me saying that I really, really like his art, especially rank him number one amongst all the artists that do any art in any of the Batman books. But I think over time his art has really grown on me, and also we have to keep in mind that 2010 also had, you know, Little Gotham debut in the comics as well, which was a huge part of it. And I really think that those Little Gotham characters are really cool and could be a nice. Well, we've interviewed him numerous times, and we agree that they are something that'd be worthwhile to see as merchandise, and that would probably get a lot of people who normally wouldn't be buying Batman merchandise. That could be a huge thing in Hot Topic, for instance. Um, <laughs> most likely, yeah. But for the most part, his art is probably by far my favorite as far as any of these artists. 
um, just because over time it has grown on me. And even though sometimes it appears to be so simple, the things that he does to create his art, when he does his covers, he does he tries all kinds of different approaches with watercolors and oils and shading and all that stuff. It, 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 it's amazing how some of that stuff turns out just because he's experimenting with all the different types of art styles he can do. So with that being said, the best Batman comic artist of 2010 actually is a three-way tie for the first time ever. Really? Ooh. Frazier Irving, Dustin Wen, and Cameron Stewart. No. No Josh <laughs> Williams. Wow. Josh Williams did not come in that tie. Talk about an wow. upset. Well, maybe it's the timing of it, you know. Maybe everyone's forgotten about Batwoman now. Well, you got to think that Detective Comics only had one or two issues in 2010 that featured his art, and then Batwoman only had Batwoman number zero, so he kind of falls in that same category as Scott Snyder, where even though it's really good, there just wasn't enough of it to dominate the year. Did Sam Keith get any votes out of interest? Yes, he did. Oh, good. Probably just me. No, there was a, more than a couple. Okay, good. All right, so moving on ahead, we have the best Batman comic creative team of 2010. Now, this category has Grant Morrison, Frazier Irving on Batman and Robin, Grant Morrison and Tony Daniel on Batman, Brian Q. Miller and Lee Garbit on Batgirl, Fabian Nassiza and Marcus Toe on Red Robin, Greg Rucka and J.H. Williams on Detective Comics, and Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette on Batman, The Return of Bruce Wayne, and Batman Incorporated. Again, this is pretty much pairing the best writers with the best artists, with the exception of a few different people. Marcus Toe does get a nomination here, as well as Lee Garber and Tony Daniel. Tony Daniel is, I think his art is great when he does Grant Morrison's stories. His art seems to be uh, not as rushed, and he seems to spend a lot more time making sure that not only is there the detail, but it, it just is very smooth, nice-looking art when it comes to when he works with Graham Morrison. He, it's a completely different approach when he does his own stories for the most part. The rest of these are pretty much, like I said, pairs up between the best writers and the best artists. So, uh, Yeah, I, I think say- this is quite an interesting competition, this one, because not only have you got Grant Morrison, but you've got Grant Morrison three times. So which one of him is going to win it? Also, the detective comics with Greg Rucker and J.H. Williams, strong. Brian Q. Miller and Lee Garbit on Batgirl, they've had quite a lot of fans over the last year. Uh, and, you know, people like John have been very happy with... Uh, Marcus Toe on Robin and Fabian Nassar has done a good job with the writing. So, again, really good competition. Grant Morrison competing with himself several times. But I think uh, Batman and Robin's been such... uh, It's been a series that's just blown everyone away, so it's got to be that one, I imagine. I actually really want Fabian and Marcus to win uh, for Red Robin, even though uh, Fabian uh, wasn't my choice of best writer and Marcus wasn't even on the list for best artist. I think the two of them have created, like, one of the most cohesive runs. And I think they've they've had the longest run because I don't think that they've left the books at all, whereas with Miller and Garbage, I think Garbage had several times where he wasn't doing the book. Uh, Grant Morrison was always, his artists always kind of did, like, four issues, and then then they went away. So I think if not just for talent, for consistency and um, stick-to-itiveness, Fabian and Marcus Toe definitely uh, would deserve to take this one, but they're probably going to win. I really love Tony Daniels' art. 
and like Dustin said, when he's not having to rush it, it's very good. And when he does rush it, still, it's still pretty good. And uh, match it up with Grant Morrison is obviously that, that is a good thing. And uh, also, Brian Q. Miller and Lee Garbit on Batgirl, I'm just a fan of the book. And so I'm going to be a fan of the creative team as well because I think they're doing a good job there. Even though Lee Garbit hasn't been on every issue. So I, I, think, I think I vote for Brian Q. Miller and Lee Garbit. I agree with uh, Donovan. Um, I don't think they'll win, but Fabian and Marcus have created a really brilliant book in Red Robin. Uh, the fact that they've been on there for so long as well has allowed them to develop Tim as such a, a complex and deep character. I think he he's really grown up uh, under Fabian, and I genuinely will be sad to see them go. And I think the benefit as well of them being together is they know intimately how each other works, and that, that can only help a book. Uh, I think they've been one of the very few have actually hit the deadlines and got books out when they're meant to be out. Um, and I think that that's testament to their partnership. All right. So the best Batman comic creative team of 2010 is... Grant Morrison and Frazier Irving for Batman and Robin and Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne. I demand the recounts. So do I. No, he, he deserved it. I just, I just wish that... Um... It, it it was in a different time, so uh, the Red Robin team could win. But I'm not I'm not pissed off. <laughs> All right, so that's going to move us into the best ongoing comic series of 2010. The nominees are Batman and Robin, Batman Detective Comics Red Robin, and Batgirl. Clearly, Batman and Robin would probably be the favorite, specifically because the winners of the creator categories all worked on Batman and Robin. Um, Batman was led up by Tony Daniel for a good chunk of the year, Detective Comics. That might be the one that has the, the pitfall with the five-issue story with David Hine and Scott McDaniel. We'll have to see what happens with that. Red Robin and Batgirl consistently, again, fall, fall in one of the best categories, mostly because, again, their creators were nominated for the creator categories. Uh, yeah, John will be happy to see that there's no Batman Incorporated in in this in this group. Um, or Batman now. and Robin, yeah, Batman and Robin, obviously the favourite. Um, but once again, you know they've all been pretty good series. Batgirl's done a good job. Detective has had some great moments, and Red Robin has has you know started getting interesting again. Uh, Batman itself, I would, I would say, is the weakest out of the bunch. Um, yeah, but it's got to be Batman and Robin. Unless we have another surprise. I think Batman Robin probably deserves to win just because it's been so immensely good. But at the same time, again, I want to say Red Robin because I think Red Robin has been more consistent without delays. But in terms of just quality, I think Batman Robin inches out just a little bit. I've been going consistently with the Batgirl writers and artists and everything. But in this case, I'll have to go with Batman Robin as well. It's one of the best books out there, not just in Batman, but in comics. I think it'll be Batman and Robin. Grant Morrison started off really well, and then there was the crushing disappointment of issue 16. Please see previous rants. Um, and, and then it, yeah, I think it was always hard for, for Paul Connell and, and Scott McDaniel to, to come in after such hype on Batman and Robin. Um, so it was always going to be a change of pace, and I think 
you know, people are always going to struggle with the change. Secretly, deep down, I really do hope it's Red Robin. Uh, as Donovan says, um, it's been really consistent. It's just been really, really good. Uh, there's never been a duff issue and that's made me want to pull my eyes out or anything like that. But I do think it will be Batman and Robin. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. All right, and the best ongoing comic series of 2010 was... All right, so we don't need to discuss that because that was pretty obvious. Let's move right into the best single issue of 2010. We have Batman Confidential number 49, Batman and Robin number 16, Bruce Wayne The Road Home Batgirl, Detective Comics number 871, and Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne number 3. Now, to run through these real quick, Batman Confidential number 49 was an issue that was basically almost a one-shot. It had to do with a great detective story with Batman that did not necessarily harm what was going on in continuity, did not necessarily change anything that happened in continuity, which so many of the Batman Confidential stories do. But on top of that, it was just overall a great detective story that you should have, we should have seen in some a book like Detective Comics instead of Batman Confidential. And I really think that the, the creative team on that book did not get the credit that they deserve because it was published in Batman Confidential. Batman and Robin number 16, obviously the end of Grant Morrison's run on Batman and Robin and the reveal of Batman Incorporated. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home Batgirl, we have uh, a great story that deals with Stephanie Brown and Bruce Wayne coming to terms with everything that's occurred. Great ending, mention of Cassandra Cain. Um, they, they did a lot of really good things in that book. Detective Comics number 871 was the first issue Scott Snyder did for Detective Comics. Again, kicking off a great story arc and in turn bringing Detective Comics back to where it should have been for the last couple years. Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne number 3, which was Grant Morrison teaming with Yannick Paquette to tell Bruce Wayne's story. Um, as he traveled through time in the pirate era. Uh, yes, yeah, so as Dustin's mentioned, that one with Batman Confidential, I nominated it because I thought it was outstanding. Uh, I haven't read such a simple yet brilliant story for quite a while, and as Dustin said, they deserve more credit. I wish that could win, but of course it's up against Batman and Robin number 16, one of the, whatever you say, John, it was one of the most sought-after comics of the year or even you know a couple of years it was just tying up it was the conclusion of a massive massive story and well detective comics 871 with scott snyder who uh, has also been doing a great job so i think strong competition it's almost definitely going to be batman and robin 16 but i hope uh, everyone just makes sure they're aware of batman confidential 49 no doubt man um this is another this is another example where everything was good and then you have uh, Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin, which was excellent. One of the best comics in a long while, especially when you wrap up the Dr. Hurt saga and bringing Bruce Wayne back to kick his butt. I also, I really, really would love that Confidential 49 one because I loved it just for the fact that it was so free of the continuity baggage that's been going on in the titles for the last couple of years. And you can just pick it up, read it. You know what it's about. You, you, it's one of those comic books you could give to a new reader, someone who wants to get into comic books. And um, I actually think that's the case with uh, uh, one of the people on the panel here. So I would love for that to win, but <laughs> come on. What's, what's been going on this entire show? Who's been winning the most awards? 
Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well, too said. Um, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think they're all brilliant. Um, issue 16, um, where it wraps up with Dr. Hurt, as Nick said, it was it's the most sought-after issue, um, I think, that I can remember, aside from some of the uh, obvious classic Batmans. There are just a few gaping holes in it. Um, for example, Batman has guarded his secret ridiculously closely for, well, well, since issue number one. So why on earth he would come out and ever go, I've been sponsoring Batman for the last 50, 60 years, is is beyond me. It doesn't make any sense because it, I, I'm pretty sure at some point somebody's going to go, huh, Bruce Wayne is built beyond the dreams of a normal man. He Every time he has a, a new ward, uh, Batman seems to have a new Robin. I just wonder what... I'd, I, I, I'm, just, I'm struggling to put the two and two together, but there's, there's something there. But, John, this is the DC Universe where all you have to do is put on a pair of glasses and change your hairstyle, and somehow nobody knows you're Superman. <laughs> somehow. That's very true, yes. <laughs> That's a... That's a, a, a bit of an issue. Uh, I, it, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I've completely lost my train of thought. Huh? Uh, that, was, that was the idea. <laughs> <laughs> that, I do think it will win. All right, so the best single issue of 2010 was... Batman Robin number 16. <gasps> what a shot. What a- we should, we should do runner, runners up next year, so we can have so some of the guys can get. <laughs> yeah, so someone else can win. Well, Grant Morrison may not do as well with uh, Batman Incorporated this year, so who knows? May change everything up. Did, did uh, Batman Confidential Forty Nine get any votes? Yes, he actually came in second place. Oh wow, it's pretty good. So I'm glad they got some attention. Good for it. I think I think the problem. I mean, obviously, it wasn't going to get first place, but I think what really kept it from getting a lot more votes was just the fact that not a lot of people would have probably picked that issue up. Yeah. That's the, that's the issue. The next category we have is Best Comic Book Character of 2010, and the nominees are Dick Grayson, Damian Wayne, Tim Drake, Stephanie Brown, and Bruce Wayne. So who could possibly win this category? Would it be Bruce Wayne, or would this be Dick Grayson's year with him shining in all of the books? I don't know. I think this is actually a very interesting award this year. I don't think Bruce Wayne's going to get it. I think Dick Grayson's probably the slight favourite. I think Tim Drake's had a very interesting year in Red Robin. Stephanie Brown's been very strong in Batgirl. And I think Damien's been very exciting to read. So personally, I'd vote for Damien. Uh, but I'd put my money on Dick Grayson just because we've seen a lot more of him. He's taken over the main role. He's in the big books. And, you know, he's still there. So he's doing a fairly good job. So I think it'll be Dick Grayson, but... My runner-up would be Damian Wayne. I think I voted for Damian because he's kind of like a fighter and picking fights with everybody else in the Batman universe, and he's kind of a character you, you kind of love to hate, sort of. I think um, Dick might take this one just because he's been in... He's appeared more, I think, in the comic books than Bruce ever has. I think for the first time in history. And I think that a lot of people have been liking his character development. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, I, I think he'll take it... Um, I don't think Tim or Stephanie will because as in the overall storyline besides Tim with the return of Bruce Wayne at the very end, Damien might be surprised because he's also a character who's been appearing a lot, 
But I, I honestly think Dick Grayson will, will win this one. Yeah, I think Dick Grayson will win. Um, it's been a long time coming. He's evolved uh, really well as a character, and he's become more complex and really stepped into his own, even more so than when he was Nightwing. And I think, uh, perhaps I'm going to get shot for this as well, um, perhaps if there's an award for this popular podcast host, it might be me, but I think you can see it with Tim as well. And I think this year and next year, you're going to see Tim um, really come into his own, and I hope he becomes um, a major character in the DC Universe and goes off on his own, and hopefully Damien gets dropped off a cliff. All right, so the best comic book character of 2010, well, this will be the one category that I say, well, one of the categories that I say who got the least amount of votes, and that was Bruce Wayne, which was a very interesting surprise. Oh, really? Wow. I suppose he's just not been around enough, has he? Well, that and I think maybe some people weren't so happy with his announcement of Batman Inc. John voted like 20 times. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, co-hosts and everybody is only allowed to vote once, so that was not possible, just for anybody who is wondering. But, that being said, the winner of this category is... Dick Grayson. And Damian Wayne second? Yes, Damian Wayne was second. Mm, The new Batman and Robin did pretty well. Oh, yes. Alright, the next category is Best Batman Brave and the Bold episode of 2010, and the nominees are Chill of the Night, Knights of Tomorrow, Emperor Joker, The Super Batman of Planet X, and Sidekicks Assemble. Sidekicks Assemble, we saw not only Robin, but we also saw Robin become Nightwing. Um, Super Batman of Planet X, we had the return of Kevin Conroy, even though he wasn't voicing Batman. Um, that was quite interesting. Uh, we also had Zuran R appear in that episode. Emperor Joker, we get a little bit more of a musical number, and Batmite appears as well. That was, uh, all those things combined to make Emperor Joker a pretty good episode. Knights of Tomorrow, we see the debut of Damian Wayne in animated form as the future Batman. Mm -hmm. And And Chill of the Night was basically the, probably the most serious episode we've seen out of the entire run of the Batman Brave and the Bold series. With Joe Chill, or Batman coming face-to-face with Joe Chill, obviously the murderer of his parents, and deciding what needs to happen. Um, we also see the reveal of Bruce, of Batman's face underneath the cowl, which we have never seen before in the show as well. We also had Adam West, Kevin Conroy, Julie Newmar, Mark Hamill, all of them guest-starred as voices in, for various characters in this episode as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at this list, there actually there were some good episodes. Um, I think for pretty much for every five Batman Brave and the Bold episodes, you probably get one decent one, and that's unfortunately oh, that's, that's not nice. nice. Well, that's, that's true. When I say it, when I say decent, I mean one that would interest me. I mean, Chill of the Night for me was outstanding, uh, really excellent. Nights of Tomorrow, good. Emperor Joker, fun. Yeah, so I think those three are the ones that stand out for me, and it's got to be Chill of the Night. I'd be very surprised if that doesn't win. It was just, I think, everything that all the fans have wanted from a show like that, and I think it delivered and did a great job. So Chill of the Night for me. I would have said Chill of the Night if uh, they never did Nights of Tomorrow. I thought that was an absolutely fantastic episode, just the way they kind of adapted the whole 
what's going on in the comics now with Dick is Batman and Damien is Robin. I mean, they kind of made it different. They certainly made Damien a lot more likable. But just the way they kind of uh, worked on the idea of the Batman legacy and the and the ending, I thought, was just spectacular. That, I've watched that, that episode more than any other episode of this series, and I really hope that wins. Yeah, I, I, re- I did really like Chill of the Night as well. Um, it, it's the darkest um, and best episode, but I don't think it redeems uh, what has been probably not the best Batman series ever. But it shows there are, there's hope, at least. And the best Batman Braving the Bold episode of 2010 is none other than Chill of the Night. Surprise, surprise, the darkest episode of the entire series is the winner of that. Hopefully that's a message to the producers. Try and do something a bit more similar to that. That's 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 been the entertaining part of the series. I don't think that'll happen. I think we'll have to wait for that new Batman series to, to come out for that. Alright, so the next category and the last category of Batman-related things is the best Batman 3 news of 2010. We have The Dark Knight Rises announces the title, Tom Hardy cast confirmed, and Christopher Nolan confirms that he will return. Uh, for me, it's got to be the announcement of the title. I thought that was very exciting. Uh, wasn't what I was expecting. And, yeah, so for me, it's got to be the title. I don't think Christopher Nolan would be cruel enough to allow somebody else to direct this movie, but... Uh... I also like the title. I remember the title got a lot of stick just because it was hard at it, but it suggests so much, and it really feels like they're they're really, really paying attention to like how the story will end and uh, how Batman can become like the legendary character that he is in the movie continuity. So I would say uh, The Dark Knight Rises as the title as well. I don't think there was ever much doubt he was going to take on a third movie, but I think that the fact that it is confirmed is the best news for me, at least. Yeah, I think the fact that Chris Nolan's back is, is brilliant. Um, I mean, it does leave questions as to what's going to happen um, once he leaves, but at the moment, I think it's in perhaps the safest pair of hands ever um, in Batman film. Um, so that's the best news that he's come back. All right, so the best Batman 3 news of 2010 is... Christopher Nolan confirms that he will return. Surprisingly, surprisingly, that's not that big, but when you consider the lack of Batman news that we had throughout the year of 2010, that probably was the best news, considering even though it came earlier in the year and it was basically a very small mention, hey, yeah, I'm going to come back and do it, it was probably the biggest thing that did happen for the Dark Knight Rises in 2010. I think it was more just people panicked because Chris Nolan didn't say anything. And <laughs> so everyone was starting to panic that he wouldn't come back. But he, he has, I suppose that is big news, but it wasn't the biggest news of the year for me. And a bit of a surprise, I have to say. I think people worried Joel Schumacher would come back. I know I was. <laughs> <laughs> to finish off his trilogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, so that's going to be the conclusion of those. We're going to get into the BatmanUniverse.net categories. The first one we have is the Best Batman Universe Special of 2010. The nominees are the 2010 Blooper Show, the Villain Wall Series, and the 2009 Award Show. 
Now, clearly, all of these had merits. Um, we were a little bit lacking as far as specials last year, so there wasn't as many as many to choose from as there normally would be. Um, the awards show, clearly, same thing we did last year, but we did change the format up this year so that the awards show is a little bit better than last year. Where we, yeah, the 2009 awards show really wasn't the best, mostly because we just named off the nominations and discussed it instead of actually naming the winners. And we decided to change the format because that show was not the greatest show in the world. Um, the Villain Wall was a great addition. That was an idea that Nick came up with, and he, he's uh, produced that, and that's been a very good success, and we're continuing to do those. And the Blooper Show was probably the most popular one of the year. Again, another episode produced by Nick. So Nick is uh, full of these specials. Mm, well, thanks. Uh, I'll be interested to see what wins out of the blooper show and the villain wall. Uh, or maybe the award show will be the dark horse. Who knows? I would say the uh, blooper show because I remember, I remember specifically listening to that episode, and, and at the time it was one of the funniest episodes uh, I think you guys have ever done. So I hope that wins. Yeah, I enjoy the villain walls, but I have to go with the blooper show on this one. I think the villain walls create brilliant talking points, but the blooper show actually made me stop working because I was laughing so hard. All right, and the winner of the best TBU special of 2010 is 2010 Blooper Show. All right, great. Uh, I think now will probably be a good time to announce that uh, some more Blooper Shows are coming uh, to the Batman universe, two of them, in fact, and they will probably be in your podcast feed sometime soon, so keep an eye out for them, and maybe they'll be nominated next year. We shall see. All right, so moving into the next category, the best Batman Universe exclusive of 2010. Again, we didn't have as much things happen in 2010. 2010 was a pretty much a pretty slow year for for the BatmanUniverse.net, but we did have some coverage. We had we did we did have some exclusives, including uh, C2E2 coverage, San Diego Comic Con coverage, and we had a bunch of interviews at San Diego Comic Con as well. Um, C2E2 coverage consisted of me going there. It really wasn't the best exclusive, mostly because there wasn't a whole lot of news that came out of it. The problem with C2E2 is that the timeline of when it occurred in comparison to some other uh, pretty established and major cons was the downfall of that. Also, the fact that it was kind of working on its first year didn't really help out when it came to uh, big announcements and things like that. Uh, the San Diego Comic-Con coverage is probably the, the most popular here, specifically because there was... Even in an off year with no movies and no video games, there was still tons of things to cover related to Batman. Uh, we did get a number of interviews at San Diego. Part of that one not probably being the most popular one was a good majority of the interviews that we got. We ended up having to scrap and nobody's ever seen. So, uh, For me, it's probably got to be the San Diego stuff. I love the video interviews. I think they're great. Um, yeah, it's great to see... Uh, you know, our, our guys interact with some of these creators that we talk about, so it had to be San Diego for me, definitely. Yeah, I'll say San Diego as well. That was just a, a treasure trove of um, of uh, interviews, and I thought that was really successful. Yeah, I enjoyed the San Diego interviews. I remember going on the website and watching those, so I'd probably go with that. Yeah, I agree with all of you. I think the San Diego stuff was, was the best by far. All right, and the winner of the best TBU exclusive of 2010 is San Diego Comic-Con coverage. 
good. Glad it's won. Uh, I hope uh, we can get some good stuff this year as well. We shall see. <laughs> All right. So the last award that we have is for the best overall Batman news of 2010. Now, there's a number of different things that were announced or we saw the release of or things that happened in the comic community that kind of fall into this category, but this would be the best of those things, and there's a number of different ones. We have the announcement of Batman Live, Cassandra Cain reappears, Bruce Wayne announces his funding of Batman, (laughs) the release of Batman Under the Red Hood, and the release of the Batman Arkham City trailer. Now, obviously, the Arkham City trailer is the one that released at the end of 2010 in December at the Video Game Awards. Cassandra Kane reappears. I can give you a good guess of who nominated that choice. Bruce Wayne announces his funding of Batman that obviously occurred in Batman Robin number 16, Under the Red Hood being released on DVD and Blu-ray, and Batman Live, which was probably the surprise of the year since not a lot of people saw that coming. Yeah, I think this is an interesting award. I think there's a few things that could win it. Cassandra Kane reappearing. I think that's only going to get one vote, and we all know who from. Uh, the release of Batman Under the Red Hood. That's going to be a big one. Probably going to win. Uh, Bruce Wayne announcing his funding. Nah, not a very popular... Well, it split the fan base, so I don't think that's going to win. The announcement of Batman Live, I think, is the personal winner for me, just because... Mostly because it's going to take place in the UK, so that got me quite excited in the fact that I'm going to go and see this show. And since we've heard of the announcement of it, we've seen bits of information from it, and it's getting more and more interesting for me. So that's probably the one for me. And of course, the Batman Arkham City trailer was also very exciting and a tough choice. But for me personally, Batman Live, I think Under the Red Hood will win it. I just love like, the really awkward pause you had after you said Cassandra came reviews. <laughs> Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I put that in there because I knew that it was never going to be mentioned, but uh, that's my vote. However, I will think I will say that I think that the Arkham City trailer will win because Batman Arkham Asylum was one of the most uh, well-received Batman meetings of Dark Knight, and the fact that there was a trailer for the sequel, I think, just had people excited for the next game. So I think that's probably going to be the most overwhelming uh, positive response. I chose Batman Live because, I mean, we're going to have animated movies and of course the uh, Arkham Asylum was very good and so Arkham City but Batman Live is just something completely different and like Dustin says it was unexpected so I think that kind of sticks out to me it's coming to the US right yes yeah so They're just not till next year yeah exactly so but it will come eventually so I'll probably check it out if it does unless I hear terrible news like the Spider-Man one don't get me started on Spider-Man one uh, I think it will be uh, Arkham City trailer just from the trailer, it shows that they looked at what they did for Arkham Asylum, and my God, have they stepped it up. It's very easy to create sequels that are just terrible um, and don't really go anywhere, but this one looks like it's it's just going to be amazing. Um, new villains, Hugo Strange has uh, got a really dark role, um, and I think it's, it's going to be brilliant. And the only good thing Bruce Wayne did by announcing his funding means that we're going to get the inevitable reboot, which I will very much look forward to. <laughs> Alright, so the best overall Batman news of 2010, and the winner is... Cassandra Case. The release of the Batman Arkham City trailer. 
Hmm, interesting. Not under the Red Hood. Under the Red Hood actually came in second place. Right. I, I, I didn't think that was going to win just because I think the announcement of that, when people actually saw things, said, hey, this is really good. Um, how many votes did Cassandra King get? I will tell you that Cassandra King got a total of 35 votes. Oh! oh wow. It's more than I thought. You too. You've got, uh, you got a little following there, Don. Hooray! I can sleep tonight. All right, so that is the end of the awards. Now, I do want to go over a couple of the extra questions that we did have on the site just because I think they're worth discussing. Uh, one of the things that we asked was, uh, who would you like to see us interview in 2011? Now, we had a number of different responses including Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy, Bruce King, Jim Lee, Jeff Loeb, J.H. Williams, Adam West, Scott Snyder, Paul Cornell, Grant Morrison, Fabian Saiza, Mike Martz, Christopher Nolan, Dustin Wen, Gail Simone, Tony Daniel, Jock, Jeff Johns, uh, when Batman Earth 1 eventually comes out. So there was a number of different ones. I am happy to say that uh, even though 2010 sorely lacked as far as interviews. We will be setting up a number of different interviews in the very near future, um, and one that we already can confirm is uh, an interview with Chris Cross, uh, an artist who's okay. currently working on Superman Batman, but has actually worked on a number of different Batman-type projects here and there. Uh, we are going to be interviewing him shortly, and that interview will hit the site once we do that. It'll probably be after the second issue of Superman Batman, uh, the story arc that he's currently working on. We're working on getting Scott Snyder and Gail Simone at C2E2 in the coming weeks as well. So, and I'm sure we'll we'll manage to get Dustin Wen in again as well. We will be trying for some of these uh, heavy hitters uh, like Kevin Conroy, um, Jim Lee's probably a sure thing uh, at San Diego. Bruce Tim will probably be a sure thing at San Diego as well. Uh, J.H. Williams III, Scott Snyder, Paul Cornell, Grant Morrison, Tony Daniel. We will try our hardest to get all of those. There's no promises on all of them, but I'm pretty sure we could probably get a good chunk of those. The other thing that uh, we asked people to give an opinion on was we said, uh, what would you like to see change or added to the website? There was a number of different things. I'll roll through just a couple of them. Um, somebody said, I would like to see the Batman television history section launched. Uh, trust us when we say we actually have compiled a lot of the information for that section. Once we get the new site up, it'll be one of the things that we will be working on. Um, someone else said that the site and podcast contain more content. The specials are more of a regular thing rather than just a monthly or bi-monthly event. Okay, well, let me tell you that the site will be containing more content coinciding with uh, what somebody, the, the previous comments with the Batman television history. We will be obviously bringing back the video game history and updating the movie history. We also plan on taking the beginning steps towards doing our comic archive, which is going to be a massive, massive project, which we already have a staff formed for that. People that may not even know exist because they're going to be working on that project because it's so massive. Nobody here on the podcast, because we already have so much on our plates that we would be doing the Comic Archive disjustice by doing that. On top of that, we will also be making the specials more of a regular thing. 
And we will be doing that by doing a couple of things. I am going to announce that uh, the specials is actually going to be broken up into a number of different feeds. The Villain Wall will be getting its own feed, and we will be doing that on a regular monthly basis. We will also be branching our commentaries out into its own feed as well. And the animated commentaries, I'm proud to announce, have finally all been recorded, and they will all be posting this coming summer. We also have Bat Books for Beginners, which will still continue to be in the comic podcast, but will also branch out in its own feed as well, so people can find that. And we will be posting up those episodes, as well as new episodes as they come out with the comic cast. The specials will continue to exist, but we'll specifically stick with actual specials. And like we did the 60s special, the blooper shows, the awards show, if we do a holiday show, we might be doing some other shows that we've we've got some plans for as far as uh, more specific types and categories of the Batman universe, uh, such as music and television history and things like that. We may be doing something like that. We have a couple of other feeds that I cannot announce right now because they're they're brand new ideas, things that nobody's ever we have we haven't even talked about on any of the podcasts that uh, will be coming out as well. But the biggest one is the interviews will also be branching off into their own feed, and we will be releasing not only all of the previous interviews that we released, we'll also be combining from now from previous cons that we did interviews at. We will be releasing those interviews as a podcast episode with all of the interviews that we did at each convention as well. And we'll be continuing to do that. So once we go to C2E2, there will be one for that as well. All these feeds will end up going live around the same time the site launches. So there's tons of new content that will be coming to the website. Someone did request shorter to the point reviews. I hate to say this, but I don't see that happening just because our, our reviews are pretty to the point as it is, and to cut them down even smaller than what we have right now would be doing some of the books a serious disjustice. Someone did request a new, fresh, and cool design for the website. That will be coming with the new launch of the website. Someone, actually a couple people requested daily polls. We will probably be having a more of a weekly poll, which we will either feature on the website or on the forums, uh, depending on which way is the best. Someone did mention that the Homepage is taking a little bit long to load because of the embedded video. The embedded video will disappear once the new site launches, and the homepage will show a little bit more of the current news instead of just headlines. Someone did ask for more podcasts when I said what I said earlier. Uh, you will be seeing that very shortly. We did have a couple requests for more DC-related news. To address that, I, I just have to say it's a little difficult to cover more DC news than we already do. We tr we try to review DC animation and DC live action films as they come out. We will be reviewing Green Lantern once that comes out. We will be reviewing the other animated films that don't have Batman in it. But the issue is when it comes to the news, there DC is such a large source of characters that in order to cover all of the characters, it would be very, very difficult. You would think even with there not being a movie and not being a video game and not being really a whole lot of episodes of Batman Brave and the Bold, 2010 would have been a very slow year, but for the most part it was very busy. And on top of that, when you throw in you know the entire staff's personal lives, we don't have a thousand hours every single day to 
post up every bit of DC news. So we will be covering some DC news, but not a lot more than what we have been doing. Someone did ask for us to have a comment section on news stories. That will be coming as well with the new site launch. There was a bunch of comments from people specifically saying that nothing needs to be changed and they love everything. We appreciate all those comments. But we do also know that times change, and with times changing, that means that we have to change and adapt as well. And honestly, the only way to best serve Batman fans is to constantly be adapting, and that's what we're always planning on doing, and we will continue to do. So with that being said, that is going to be everything that we'll cover for the award show. Thank you for everyone who responded. We had a enormous number of people respond um, and vote and leave comments and I appreciate all of those people who also continued to fill out the uh, demographic section which includes your age group, your your gender, things like that because it also kind of helps us figure out who our main audience is and who to gear the site and podcast towards a little bit better. So I appreciate that. Thank you for making this award show and the award ballot specifically very successful and we appreciate that and will continue to bring you the best things for the Batman universe in the coming future. I never said thank you. So with that being said, thanks for listening to the 2010 The Batman Universe Awards. This is Dustin. This is Nick. This is Donovan. This is Josh. And this is John. You've been listening to The Batman Universe Award Show 2010. We'll see you guys next year. Let's hope 2011 is just as good. And that Kevin Smith does not return. Indeed. Bye. <laughs>